listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Great to be with you this morning. Everybody doing well? And let's, yeah, and even if you're not, we are honored to have you here in this house. It's an honor to have every single one of you. Uh, we have such a great church family, and if you're already a part of it, that's always exciting to see you, but it's, if you're becoming a part of the family, don't, there's no strangers here. Just step in, step into uh, the lives of people. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to, uh, we'll, we'll help you with that process. I still don't have it all together, but I've got the help of you. And we navigate forward and we experience all that God has for us. Um, we're gonna step into a new series entitled uh, Pneumatic Believers. And that word pneumatic comes from the original Greek, but it's also an English word. How many of you, I, I shouldn't say just guys, because I know we've got some pretty handy ladies. How many of you have pneumatic tools at home? How many of you? I know Trish does. She lets Josh use them occasionally. <laughs> Anybody else, you've got some pneumatic tools? Air tools. It's the power of forced air that pushes something. And the, the Greek word for spirit uh, is that word pneuma. It's uh, the idea of the Spirit of God pushing us along, carrying us along in our journey, not only with the Lord, but also all throughout life, so that uh, our lives do more than just survive the journey. Our lives are part of the process of God building the kingdom of God here on earth. That, like seeds, we're depositing things into the soil of the world around us, and the kingdom of God grows up. And so I want to draw your attention to this great portion of Scripture that's fascinating very applicable, maybe to some of your lives, a lot of our area churches, and I just think the world in general, and hopefully this will be the starting point for a conversation with you over the next several weeks about the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe the Holy Spirit, when we talk about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, maybe the Holy Spirit is the most mysterious to you. Maybe you know more about God the Father and God the Son than you do about God the Holy Spirit. But it's so important that that balance gets adjusted. In fact, you know more maybe about the Holy Spirit because God the Father is in heaven. He sent his son to make a way for a relationship with God the Father. But everything that you've experienced thus far on this earth that has anything to do with God is only possible through the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Jesus left, he says, it's a good thing that I'm leaving. And the disciples were, what, you're leaving? And how is that good? is because I'm going to send. I'm sending someone who is able because of who he is to do something that I am not able to do. I've opened the door so that he can, but he is coming and what you're going to experience because of his presence will be mind-blowing. Now, for some of you, this will be all new territory. For some of you, this is going to be an encouragement to step into deeper water. Acts chapter 19, Paul is traveling. He's preaching. This is after Jesus's died and he's been placed in the tomb. He's resurrected. He ascends then later on on the day of Pentecost. This is much later. Paul, who's now a follower of Jesus, he passes through the inland country and he comes to a place called Ephesus. It's a city. And there he found some disciples. And the word disciple just means a student. Actually, it, in this context, it's a follower of Jesus that he meets. He's obviously not met them all, but, you know, the message of God is really traveling in the story of Jesus. And so he meets a follower of Jesus, but he says to him, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
And it's amazing. They say, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's awesome. They've heard of Jesus. This is critical. Their sins have been washed away. Their lives have been, to a degree at least, transformed. But they have no clue about anything about the Holy Spirit. And yet, backing up a little bit, like I already said, Jesus said, it's better if I go away because the one I'm sending is going to help you. Right? So I want you to do me a favor. Place your hand over your heart. I'm just going to pray over you today. Uh, my message today on uh, our series about pneumatic believers is the idea of airless, which is the opposite of what we want to be. If we're an air tool, what do we need? Air, right? And so there is a scenario, and we see it right here in Acts chapter 19, where there were believers that were functioning only in their own power. And we don't want to be in that situation because we don't have to be. Right? Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to come into this house. I pray over each person here in this room. I thank you for them. They're precious. They were created by you, breathed into existence by your spirit. And so today, help them to step into the fullness that you have for them as they navigate life and school and friendships and marriage and courting and retirement and all the things that we experience. And we celebrate you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us to step into the spirit in a deeper way, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. High five the person next to you. Let me hear a little bit of a shout. Stir up, uh, yeah, okay, some energy there. Good stuff, all right. Um, I wanna show you, because we had a guest speaker who spoke last week, did a great job, junk in the trunk. How many of you were here for that? I thought, ah, that's a risky title to a sermon. Uh, but I'm not gonna be outdone with sermon illustrations. So my Vanna White is going to be bringing me my, give a hand for Vanna. Thank you, Raina. What I hold in my hand is a hammer, the first hammer I, I really ever purchased way back in 1996, 97. And I bought this hammer, it was brand new, it was wrapped in plastic and I stuck it into a brand new tool belt which had some brand new tools that had never been used, tape measure, T-square, a few things with brand new boots that I was in, with a brand new you know, hard hat that was kind of ridiculous. And I stepped onto a building site with six other families to build my first house. Uh, prior to that point, we didn't have the money to build a house. Some of it because we just didn't make that much money. Some of it just because of stupidity. Anybody? Right? Accidentally bought two cars in one day and realized now I can't afford a house. And so, um, yeah, that's... <laughs> Uh, and in the process, though, I discovered a program in our community. If you made under a certain amount of money, they had a program that was a sweat equity program that instead of putting a down payment for the house, what you could do is you could use your sweat to build and work underneath the, the teaching of a contractor, and you and the other families would help to build one another's houses. And so in 1997, when my kids were small and my wife was, uh, shockingly, younger than she is even now, and I was younger as well. I walked out and was mocked by this 50-year contractor veteran for this hammer that I purchased, because if you've ever bought a hammer, there's a million different sizes and styles, and I didn't know what to get. It's kind of like buying Bibles. Like, what version do you get? Do you get the one with the notes? And so this is the one that I bought, and I've had it ever since then. This hammer 
was used to pound the stakes to mark my lot. This hammer was used to build the foundation frame to pour for the foundation. It banged all the nails to create the stem wall. It was then used to smash on the green board for the, with the foundation, or, uh, on the top of the foundation that the decking would go on. This hammer was used to nail down every single nail that went into the decking on my house and other houses. It framed every wall. It, it, it hung cabinets. It, right down to the very end when we were putting trim in the house, we take a finished nail and we had finished trim, it was stained and it was uh, urethane, and we had to bang the, nail, the finished nail in and leave a little bit and take a nail set and pop it in and I would miss all the time and I would ding up my, uh, my finished trim and I would crack it and all kinds of stuff. But this hammer was what I built a house with in 1997, six houses. Installed every window, I hung them with this hammer. Now, today, I use a little bit different of a tool that I've discovered that I can afford, that I've used quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. This is my air hammer. Anybody know what one of these is? And I am telling you, where a nail would take three or four, because I'm not that good, but three or four hits, to, and, and with great difficulty at some angles, I can almost with one eye open use this thing to shoot a nail from any direction as long as it's connected to my compressor. And it's amazing how much quicker you can do just the job of nailing using this. It's using the power of something beyond my own self, my own flesh, my own muscles, my own skill. I can rely on something that is a game changer that gives me an advantage. We moved into a new house here in the last few day, uh, last few months, and uh, the, it's got a great uh, garage that really was not an effective garage. And I just got the idea: I'm gonna, I'm gonna fur this thing out, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna build a new lower level and add on a garage in a different spot that's more accessible. And I have framed out about a thousand square feet, and I think that I framed out the entire thing in maybe the matter of maybe 20 working hours that I was able to do with that. And some of you are like, oh, you're trying to put it in context. I'm just telling you, it would have taken me months to do that with a regular hammer. And every single time I pulled that trigger, I was like, oh, that's just so much work. Oh. I'll try to do better this time. Oh. And every time, you know, I tried to twist it and try to you know, do the, the, the Western salute after I was successful. But it was amazing what a difference maker that is. And then you add on to that things like, we used a handsaw not on everything, but on a lot of things to build my first house. And now I've got cordless saws. And you go down the list of all of the benefits of all the modern day tools and the advantage that is there. Now, when you look at this portion of scripture that we see here on the screen, we really are looking at the difference, and it's even a broader difference than what I'm describing, the difference between a hammer that has to be muscled and an air gun that is able to be just pointed and directed, its force directed it by, by something beyond itself. And we read here in the scripture about believers who have been set up and kind of connected to a compressor, but no one ever flipped it on, and they didn't have the realization that there even was a compressor. This, uh, this man who is having dialogue with the, the apostle Paul He's asked a question. He said, when you said yes to Jesus, did you get plugged into the compressor? Did you, did, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, just let me give you a theological truth. The answer is yes, he did. 
But he didn't know he did, and because he didn't know it, now it's plugged in and just not utilizing it. Because there's no way to even, to even confess Christ or come to a place of repentance without the Holy Spirit's help. The Holy Spirit, actually, my job is not to convince you of anything. My job is to preach the word of God with the confidence that the Holy Spirit is going to take the truth and push it into the very core of who you are, and there's a revelation of the truth of God. This is not about me having a better argument. It's about me bringing truth and, and partnering with the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you, okay? Because I could argue you to death, and I'd never convince you. But one minute of an encounter with, with the Spirit of God, you're like, man, there really is a God, right? I mean, that's how that works. And so what a, what a sad thing to see this situation where Jesus has washed this man's life and has set him up to be a dynamic air nailer, and yet he's still relying on hammer strength. And when we read a couple of scriptures, this will make it a little bit more clear. John chapter 16, verse 7 Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit, he said this. He said, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. And I've already mentioned this, but he says, for if I don't go away, the helper, who's the helper? Yes. Notice how the helper is, is, is uh, capitalized there. It's one of the names, it's one of the titles given to the Holy Spirit, helper. Let me ask you a question. How many of you wish that you had a helper? Okay. I mean, like, you, maybe you have a helper, but it's really not help, the person who's helping you sometimes, right? But the promise of a helper. Now, some of you are going to be thinking, like, well, it's the Holy Spirit, so his job is to help me read the Bible. Yes, maybe that's true. Well, his job is to help me to learn about God. Yes, that is true. But this helper is the revealer of truth, and it applies to all things life-related, didn't you, have you ever wondered, like, how am I going to move to the next level in my career? And if you have bought into this idea that God doesn't care about that, you don't know God the way that you should. God cares about every detail about your life, every aspect of your future. And the Holy Spirit, in stepping into help, actually wants to help you with all things. I, I think I need a couple more amens on that, Okay. Not because I need it, but because you need to, you need to get on board with where we're going. Right. This idea that if you are, think about how dumb it would be for me a couple months ago to pull out my hammer and say, let's get at it when I've got an air gun ready to go. Like I would still be in the first room that I was working on and I would not be, we just finished up drywall yesterday. I'm ready to paint. Like we're ready to go. So in the process how crazy would it be for me to allow my life to just simply be the strength of my hand in following Jesus? And so in this thing of having a helper, there is a helper available for you, a helper with your checkbook, a helper with your parenting, a helper with your career, a helper with relationships, a helper who will help you to be a better husband, a helper who will help you to be a better wife, a helper that will help you to be a better son, a better daughter, a better uh, a practitioner of whatever it is that you do, someone who will help you to be better at test taking. There's three of you that are excited about this. The rest of you, what, what did you take uh, sleepy time before he came in? Come on. Like, there is someone who is, if you were at home 
and you had a thousand bricks to move from one spot to the other, okay, and in the process of having to move them and having no help, if Shane shows up in your driveway and says, I'm here to help, there's going to be a little part of you deep down in that's going to do a little bit of a dance, and you're going to get excited, right? Listen, the idea of having help, Jesus knows you needed help. And his help was limited because he limited himself and he was found in the form of a man. He set aside not his godhood, but his divine powers and walked as a man. Do you know that every miracle that he did while he walked this earth was not because he's Jesus? He did it and was able to do it because he was plugged into the compressor of the Holy Spirit. The only reason Jesus could do any miracles at all was because he embraced the Holy Spirit. He leaned into the one who would help him. That's why you don't see him do any miracles until the day he's baptized. But the day he's baptized, the Holy Spirit in bodily form covers him and he walks for the rest of his life in that experience. And that's an experience that is available to you. It's on the shelf, ready to go. And yet maybe you didn't know that this was even an option. I love John 14, verse 16, where it says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another helper who will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. I like this part too. It says, you know him. Well, we know from the Old Testament, book of Genesis chapter one, he was hovering over the waters. Then we watch him through some of the reign of some of the kings, the spirit of God would come on a king or two. Occasionally, the spirit of God would help a prophet to prophesy And we see even in the New Testament, a little bit at the beginning, the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody and them prophesying. He said, you know him because he's been with you, but he will be in you. I don't need to go and look for my compressor or my nail gun. It's actually installed within me the moment I say yes to following Jesus. Anybody, I have actually like five tape measures. You know why? Because I can never find the last one I was using. Any project, I've just decided it's worth investing in a bunch of tape measures because it'll save me hours of time. Because I wear a tool belt because I like to be put loose and fancy free with my nail gun shooting stuff all over the place, all right? Okay. So let me just kind of like help to, to move you along in the thought process because for some of you, you feel a lot like this guy who's approached and you maybe you say, well, I've heard of the Holy Spirit. I've heard people talk about the Holy Spirit, but I would say that I really don't know much about him. I don't necessarily know that I've experienced him a whole lot. I don't necessarily even know what he's for. This series will be for you, okay? And for those of you who already have an experience with the Holy Spirit, it's the leaning in farther to embrace all that he has because he always has more. So I want, to, I want you to think along the lines of an airless pneumatic believer. In other words, you're designed to be pushed by the Spirit of God, and yet you're not, you're not, it's not in your wheelhouse right now. And, and why is that? I think it's really important to take a look at that. So if you understand why, then you'll be able to say, okay, Holy Spirit, come and help me to move forward. Help me to experience you when I step into a business meeting and feel that wind because your life is like, a, your, your spirit is like a sail and the Holy Spirit is like the wind that as you tip your sail into the wind, 
The Spirit of God will carry you through business deals, through relationships, through transactions, into your prayer time. The Bible says pray in the Spirit. You know why? Because it's possible to not pray in the Spirit. And you know what that's like? Standing in a room saying words. So if that's what you experience, this series is for you. It is for you to be able to step in because, man, when you step into your prayer closet, there should be something in that space. There should be a sense that I'm not alone. I don't need my prayer to go, I hope, God, you hear me. It's, uh, I know he hears me. He's right here. Right? In fact, he's residing within me. Now, it's not me. It's the wind in the sail in me, okay? Let me give you four things that I think will help you this morning as we talk about this, this idea. These are the reasons why someone ends up airless, okay? Number one, it's just simple um, ignorance. And that's the case that we see in the case of the man who's approached by Paul. He's not the only one. There is a individual that there's some dialogue with um, in the book of Acts chapter 18, uh, a great church leadership couple. This is like kind of like a, a Corey and a Jenny, or this is a Josh and a Trish, or some of our other great leaders in the church who are leading strong, and they come into a relationship with a preacher in the region who's accepted Jesus, but he never talks about the Holy Spirit at all because he's never had an encounter because he's literally didn't know. And so as you read down through this portion of scripture, uh, uh, they go to the individual's name is Apollo, and it's Priscilla and Aquila. They are followers of Jesus, and they are pneumatic believers. And the Bible says that they begin to explain things more completely to this man. And he's like, I, I didn't know. He embraces it. They pray for him. And man, he turns his compressor on and he experiences that empowering of the Holy Spirit to do ministry. But that, that, that spirit affects everything that he does. Now, the reality is today, many live today without being engaged with the Holy Spirit. And sometimes it's just a lack of preaching on the topic. It's teaching that's void of the Holy Spirit. Um, some people... Have, don't have this experience because uh, there's little to no experience with uh, the Holy Spirit in their background, or maybe they come out of a church that never, ever talked about this. I've been in some churches that never talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, they're doing a great job. They're preaching about Jesus. They're teaching about spiritual things, but man, plug into the compressor because all those spiritual things that God has promised for you and wants to do through you it's the hammer unless you plug in, right? Many live today without being engaged with the Holy Spirit. It results from that lack of preaching or teaching. Sometimes it's a lack of having it within your zip code. You've never seen it before. Now, if this is you, you can know this is maybe you if you have the following characteristics going on in your life. Are you ready? You just lack a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Or you have little or no experience with supernatural gifts or you struggle to experience God's presence more than you are able to experience God's presence. In fact, you experience God's presence more as a result from coming to church, but you have a great difficulty on experiencing his presence in your home. In fact, you look so forward to church because it's almost like that's where God lives. And I want you to know, he doesn't live here. When we lock the doors, he's not in here. I mean, we carry him within us. And so do you if you plug in. 
Maybe you struggle to experience the value of worship and prayer. Like literally, there's a part of you like, what's the point of me lifting my hands? It doesn't really do anything for me. And I'll tell you what, when you try to swing the hammer in your own strength and it's a great big spike, it won't feel like you're accomplishing much. But when you plug into the spirit of God, it escalates that moment for you in an incredible way. I'm giving you these not as a, hey, you're really messed up, but to help you to understand what's going on in your world. Isn't it good to know what's going on? Because if I know why I'm where I'm at, I'll be able to shake off maybe some lack of knowledge and step into what God has for me, right? Uh, maybe you, uh, this, you can know this is you if you struggle to experience really the value of worship and prayer. I already said that. You have little experience with supernatural outcomes. In other words, you're always praying, Lord, I just pray you'll help me make it through the day. And maybe you don't have any specifics where you believe for a miracle, you fought for a miracle in prayer, and you can now point to the miracle. That should be a part of your story. Let me say it this way. It will be a part of your story, but you are not going to do that with a hammer. You're going to do that as you are helped by the Spirit of God because this world will not yield to your fleshly efforts. Maybe you feel like your following Jesus experience is a lonely one-person journey void of maybe anybody else, and it's all about your commitment and all about your effort. But once you plug into the Holy Spirit, you will have a sense of not being alone and being carried by the presence of God through the steps of your day. Yes, there are some moments where you'll feel alone and you'll be like, something's wrong. You know, I was working in my basement and I, I, I got distracted and moving around and cutting some stuff and I was using my nail gun and next thing I know, some of the nails were sticking this far out after I shot them into the two by four. I was like, what is going on? What's wrong with my gun? And then honestly, what had happened was in moving around, the compressor became unplugged, the power had gone away, the air little by little began to leak out in the use for the air gun. But what did I do? I turned it back on, plugged it in, and guess what? It came right back. Do you know that's a regular experience for me? I'm going along, I'm in God's presence, I'm, I feel his strength, my battery is charged, and I get it halfway out the door, and some, something crazy is going out in the parking lot, I'm thinking I'm going to have to fight for my life, and all of a sudden, I'm now functioning maybe without realizing it, unplugged, and I didn't know it. And at first, you might not know it, because you can still put a lot of nails in based on the residue that's in the tank, but after a little while, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm, only, I'm not effective right now, something seems off. You're able to not wait till church on Sunday. The next week, oh man, if I could only be, I used to hear people when I first got saved, oh man, so it was Monday and man, I was like desperate. We got to get back to church. Can I hit pause for a second? This is not a, this is not the gas station. The gas station is your one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. If you feel like, if you ever say these words, I want you to reach out, haul off and hit yourself in the face because you need a slap. My church just isn't really feeding me. Your job is to feed yourself, okay? Now, we'll help you to feed yourself. Our job is to equip you to do good works for service. But if you come in here hungry because you don't have the common sense or the strength or the desire to lift your own spoon and put the food in your mouth, don't expect me to have to run around through the aisles and help you to put food in your mouth. Now, coming, a little, coming off as a little harsh, I'm saying it with love and a smile. Your relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit 
will feed you. What happens when you walk into this room is now that you're fed, you get to minister to other people. Now, if you're a new believer, this is a new thing for you. And you're like, well, is something wrong with me? Because I've been coming here to feed. No, no, no. We're glad that you've been eating while you're here. Now let's learn to cook and let's learn to eat and let's learn to make meals for other people. Yeah. Track it with me? Yeah. Now, granted, churches can get off the side to the left and to the right and be maybe lack some effectiveness. But I want to tell you something that if that becomes your posture, like I'm, I'm here to feed me. Okay. You know, you're, you're not a running back in the NFL. Uh, you're not Zeke and you, you don't, you know, okay. Feed yourself, plug into the spirit of God. And this will be overflow time for you as you step in. Lots of amens today. I don't know what to do with all of it. Okay. Probably made somebody mad. Probably get an email this week. Well, pastor, you said some things that disturbed me. Let me just, oh, oh. I'm going to get to it. If you're never offended, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. I'm going to back up. I'm going to say it again. How would you like to find out that there's a Holy Spirit that you didn't know about, that you've been preaching all around this city? You're one of the most dynamic, well-known preachers, and some little uh, C3 leadership couple comes up and, hey, listen, we need to explain the way to you more accurately. Who do you think I am? I'm a man of God. I've been preaching to the nations. Yeah, but you're doing it with your hammer. My hammer is bigger than your compressor. Yeah, that may be true, but what if you actually turned your compressor on? I'm doing really good without the compressor. Look at me go. Yeah, that's great. We all have different capacities. Maybe you could get up and hit pitch perfect with your singing and be better than every other singer. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit pushing your voice along, it will only ever entertain people. And there's a bigger, there's a big difference. Man, I'm never going to get through this message. I got 33 (laughs) seconds. Okay. (laughs) Number two. Uh, maybe you're airless. It's the result of throttling. You know, there's this, you could, you do it with your car all day long. I mean, you want to go faster. So you hit the accelerator. You want to slow down. You tap the brakes. You're controlling the speed. And it's very possible that you're not to full capacity with your, I could go to my compressor and actually turn the dial down and say, you know what? I'm really not interested in all that power. Makes me nervous. I saw somebody running around with a gun like a nut. I don't want none of that in my life, so back the power down. Oh, you know, if you get too much power, then, oh, nails every place. Oh, what are you? What are you? Some hot shot. You know, I'm not like a general contractor. I'm just a DIYer. I don't need all that. No, no, listen. Honestly, whether you realize this or not, you control the flow of the Spirit of God into your own life. And when you read through Scripture, there are people, we see examples of them throttling. In fact, when this Holy Spirit was first poured out on believers, there were some other people who looked and saw, observed, and for some reason they kicked into, now this is something you got to get because this is important, they kicked into mock mode. And I see this happen amongst believers. Um, We're not all going to believe the same thing. We're not going to all agree on the same thing. But listen, do not get into this thing of attacking other believers. Don't do it online. Don't do it. If you're going to have a conversation, have it in private. Be discreet because there might be some, some discussion that has to take place. But they publicly mock and point at them like, they're drunk. They're stupid. 
They're extremists. And, and so what ends up happening, they throttle for themselves, even though the Holy Spirit is there doing some amazing things. They actually adjust their compressor so that it affects them not at all. They saw what happened, and they could have entered into what was going on here in Acts chapter 2, but instead they mocked, and they, their, their resistance will stop the impact of the Spirit of God in their life. Some of you, you're not extreme like that. You'd never be that extreme. But when you step into the house of God, you're very reserved, and you're not going to... You, you actually, by your posture and by your actions... Might not realize this, but you might be limiting the Spirit's activity in your own life. And for whatever reason, I'm reserved. I don't have a good voice. I, I don't see the point of raising my hands. And yet, these are all biblical things. You might be throttling yourself without even realizing it. You know, you know one of the best ways to experience the wind is to put your sail up. The wind can be blowing 90 miles an hour and the boat is sitting there in the harbor going nowhere. You know why? It's airless. It's not that there's no air. It's that it personally is airless and it requires something to unfurl the sail to experience the wind. And how we do that, our avenue is worship. It's, it's, it starts off with praise. The Bible says this, I will enter his gates with... Okay, stop there for a second. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is something spoken out loud. Now, you can be thankful in your brain, okay? But the, the power of being thankful out loud will require you to step into a moment where you are out loud saying some words. We provide words up on the screen for you to give you some words that hopefully you agree with and that you can sing. But understand what we're trying to do. We're trying to get the sail of your spirit to be hoisted to catch the spirit of God. And it's why some will be demonstrative because what, what, what were they? What, why did pastor, why does she got to invite people to the altar? It makes me feel weird. Like, do I go? Do I not go? Like, is there something better happening up there than back in my chair? I can have my own experience right here in my own chair. I don't need to go up there. There's no magic dust up there. No, but what is happening is you are formally hoisting your sail. You can have an encounter with God any place, but the problem is many people don't have their own personal regular encounter, so we walk them through the mechanics of stepping into an encounter in this moment so that they learn the dynamics of it, so that then when you go home, you can hoist your sail and enjoy the Spirit of God carrying you. But as long as you fight against hoisting your sail, you won't experience that. I'm not saying you got to swing from the chandeliers. Maybe you're not a great singer, so speak out the words out loud. You'll find that as you're saying the words out loud, something will begin to happen within your spirit. It is a bio, that's how it works. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving. I will enter his courts with? Okay, so imagine, like, I don't feel God. Where does God live, theoretically, in his tabernacle? This is all about entering into God's presence, entering his tabernacle. So how, what's the key to open the door? Thanksgiving and praise. That's why we invite you to raise your hands. That's why we challenge you. Do you realize making the decision, 
I want to get into this thing like all the good guys raise their hand when the worship leader says raise your hand. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Nobody like we're not watching the back video to see who did or didn't. But we're trying to give you permission to do the thing that you probably deep down want to do, but the thing that's going to unlock the door to experience the wind in your sail. And when that wind gets in your sail, it's going to carry you where you go. For some of you teenagers, one of the biggest challenges is to worship God freely with your parents in the same room. I used to experience that. I would worship God in my bedroom. We'd go to church. I'd stand next to my parents. But what will they think? They're going to think, I don't want to. Say to, say to mom and dad, hey, would it be okay if I sat on the opposite side of this room today? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be worshiping God today. I think every parent would be like, oh, no, that's not, no, not going to work for us. We sit together. We're a family. It might be like, yes, please. You need to worship God. How about just close your eyes and don't give a rip about what anybody thinks? I've yet to meet somebody who's like, I tried that worship thing today. That was pretty lame. <laughs> Most people, it's like, I had no idea. I got my hands halfway up, and I was like, oh, oh God, you're real. You might be throttling yourself, not realizing you're holding yourself back from the experience. And I'm not talking about run the aisles and all that crazy stuff. Sometimes we throttle ourselves for all sorts of different reasons. Um, you know, I have an ex it, it causes us to come up with a number of arguments to stay throttled. You know, it's that, well, I haven't experienced it, so what he's talking about is a bunch of baloney. I haven't experienced it, and I'm good, so it must not be really needed. We start treating the Holy Spirit like he's an accessory like a heated steering wheel on a car, and I could save money by not getting the heated steering wheel. The Holy Spirit is not an accessory. He's the engine in your travel in this lifetime as a believer. Let me finish up with this. We get the worship team. I've only got through two points. I got two more. I'll save them for, can I save them for next week? Would that be okay? Promise to say amen a little bit more next week? Because I'm going to talk with Josh. I'm going to set the temperature at 60 degrees when you come in here. You'll be freezing, but you'll be awake. <laughs> Some of you are like, it's been great. It's been really kind of warm lately. Yeah. <laughs> um, if this is you and you've been throttling, let me give you a couple of indicators that this is you. You'll love these. Look it in the mirror when you got... Broccoli in your teeth is a lots of fun, so here we go. You criticize other people when they become too fanatically in. Uh, and the expectation is, yeah, that's how you feel now, but you'll cool off. Come on, man. The goal is to heat up and get hotter and hotter as we go. You treat the Holy Spirit like it's, he's an accessory, and you've just decided that it's not necessary because my hammer works good enough for me. But not only are you missing out, so is the world that you live in missing out. We got some dynamic people in this house that are, they're pneumatic believers. And the reason why they're so impactful is partially because they're believers, but a lot more because they're pneumatic. The air, the wind of God, the pneuma, the spirit of God drives them. 
they engage, and it's not by accident. They lean into what's been appropriated to them. They take advantage of it. They harness the wind like some of those people down in Hood River who are sailing magnificently because they've harnessed the thing that is there. And in this case, given for us to harness so that we can be carried along by the Spirit of God. This might be you if you steer clear of altar calls or coming up front because in your mind, you could do it from right where you are all by yourself. Or you, you intentionally back down in your worship just because I don't do it that way. Well, let me tell you something. The way you do it is not worship. Worship will never be comfortable because it's always for him. It's always, if it's not a sacrifice, then it's not worship. In fact, if you are worshiping because you just love how it makes you feel, you are actually got the wrong motive for why you're worshiping. <laughs> Worship is not about how doing it because it makes you feel so good. That's a byproduct, but I don't have a relationship with my wife because it makes me feel good. I have a relationship with my wife because I've given my life to serving her. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. I know she's Jesus in a female body. However, there are some things that it is work for me. I don't like to pick up my clothes. I like a nice pile on the side of the bedroom. It brings me comfort. She doesn't like it. And sometimes I just get the quick look. That's all I get. No nagging, it's just a look. It grinds me. I'd rather be yelled at than get the look. I'd rather be threatened. I'd rather be, it's a, will you move this stuff? I'd love to see some frustration. There's usually just a look. It's just a, just a, uh, some of you would love to have that. But I, anyways, where was I going with this? Come on, stand with me. Yes, sacrificial. But it brings her great pleasure and great joy when I do something to serve her, as with anybody in our world, right? And so, Worship sometimes is going to cost you something. David said, I won't offer the Lord something that costs me nothing. I'm going to offer something. The best time to worship is when you don't feel like it. The best way to worship is the biblical way that you least like. There's something about that offering that is fragrant. There's something about dudes. You know what, guys, you know who I'm, I'm talking to you. Dudes who are cool, who are strong who are this sense of, you know, a little brave heart going on inside, on the internal side. And yet when it comes time to worship, there's a growl that comes out of them that's manly and a lot of tests. And it's, it's maybe not crying. It, maybe it's, uh, it's testosterone, but it's directed up towards the king of heaven. That's something to the, to the women in the room. Impacts them. There's, for a wife to see her husband worship is probably the best thing ever. Best thing ever. Some of the ladies, yeah? Best thing ever. And when you worship, you're hoisting the sail. Let me look you in the eye and say, how many of you feel like, I need to take a couple steps forward into the wind of God, the pneuma of God, the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Or was I wasting my time completely, okay? I want to invite you in a journey over the next weeks. I don't, who knows at this rate? It's going to be twice as long as what I planned for. That's fine. We've got no place to go except for heaven, 
ultimately. <laughs> Just saying, it's the only thing on my appointment calendar that really matters. But I want to challenge you to direct your, your, um, your prayer. Guys, if you can give me my next to last slide. Uh, I want this to be your prayer over the weeks to come. It's going to be, come Holy Spirit. And whatever that looks like for you. I, in fact, I want you to erase any preconceptions about what an increase of the Holy Spirit's embrace over your life looks like. You know, there's this great verse that, that we see here on this particular scripture, and I hate to turn around because I teach my, my student speakers that this is bad etiquette to put my back towards you, but I can't see it on the screen and I can't find it on my notes. It says, if you then who are evil, anybody evil? Oh, I know you're forgiven, but there's still some evil in you, right? <laughs> if you then who are evil, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So wherever you are in that journey, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, visit me. Holy Spirit, whatever you have for me, I'm looking forward to it. I've got no expectation of what it looks like, but I just know that it's, it's desirable. It's going to be helpful. It's gonna be powerful. It's going to increase me, and I'm gonna step forward into what God has for me, no longer banging nails with a hammer, but style points. My nail gun sounds a lot more manly than that, I can assure you. You can, go ahead, you can go ahead and take this. Hands raised, if this is your desire, okay? Father, I'm just gonna pray over you. And then I'm gonna invite you, tricky, tricky, you know he's gonna do this, to invite you, if there's room, to step out of where you are, sing this last song with the worship team, solely as an expression of, I want to hoist the sails. I want more, God, of what you have for me. That's young, old, moms, dads, single, whatever, whatever stage you're in, okay? Holy Spirit, we invite you to breathe over us. As you breathed into the first man and he became a living being, Holy Spirit, we, we desire to experience abundant life, not survival life, not hammer hitting a nail life, but the empowered life that a pneumatic believer experiences as we see in the New Testament. The type of people whose sons and daughters prophesy who are led by truth, who pray and things shift, who share their faith and see people grab onto it and inhale that same wind and be born again. Father, we invite you to send your Holy Spirit over us, our gatherings over us as individuals. I pray that you will visit our people in their homes, in their prayer closets, let their cars turn into sanctuaries, let their pre-office meeting uh, time as they're praying, God, let it be filled with the, with the presence of God. Let it be overwhelming at times. Father, in the process, wash us out, clean us up, inspire us, strengthen us, allow us to step in to the fullness of what you have for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church. 